0: Welcome to Game Talk Radio, your hosts, Greg and Jen, bringing you their take on this week's hottest gaming news. Thank you for that intro, Steve, and welcome to Episode 3 of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. I'm Jen. Nice to be, everyone, uh, be with everyone here again today. Thank you for listening, of course. Um, so what I realized after listening to the last couple podcasts and things we could do better were horrible. At transitions. We're horrible at segues. <laughs> we're terrible at it's, it. We're, we're, It's the worst. It's pretty bad. We are literally the worst at it.
1: Literally the
0: worst. This, If that doesn't just prove how low-key this is <laughs> to anybody <laughs> listening. So as you know, uh, you've listened hopefully to our past episodes, and if you have, you know that we just make like the worst transitions and the worst intros ever. So here's a transition for you. Jen, what's our first story today?
1: Our first story... <laughs> That was good. I like that. Oh,
0: okay. It actually worked out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mods. Mods are coming to PS4 Pro for Skyrim and Fallout 4. They
0: finally worked it out.
1: They kissed and made up.
0: Awesome. That's great. (laughs) Especially once Bethesda came out and said, it's Sony's fault, why this isn't happening. Mm -hmm. And then there was nothing else. So we were all left sitting there thinking, well, what's the real story? Sony, what's going on? And I made thoughts i made predictions that it was about sony being worried about having their systems hacked and about you know they're still worried about their ps3 they're still nervous about the ps3 hack that happened all those years ago so they're obviously very nervous about anybody allowing other things in their system they used to have other operating system options on the ps3 they had to take that out because people were manipulating it to do illegal things with it so you know so finally after all of that they just come right out and they say
1: Hey, yeah, we're. It's like, happening. The the post that they they released said we're excited to finally get modding out to our PlayStation fans who've supported us for so long, and it's oh, going on to say that how important modding is for games over the last ten years with Bethesda, and hopefully that will lead to more mods and and everything for their for their players.
0: It's great because a lot of those mods really improve on the game and uh, the games in general, whether it's. I mean, PC has been doing mods on almost everything forever, but Bethesda games have always been really well done, and a lot of those mods are really great. Like some people are remaking old, Sky- uh, well, hold on, just hold on. <laughs> some some people are making like old games remade in the new engines. So like they're making um, the original uh, or Elder Scrolls Three. They're bringing that back in the Skyrim engine. And so there's some really good, like, people do really good stuff, and I know, like, as it's funny, because the listeners obviously don't know this, you do, but... I do. We we were talking about this originally when the Fallout, no pun intended, happened with Bethesda and Sony, and we had a thing about mods and our thought on mods, and you weren't necessarily a fan.
1: No, I'm not. Okay. Because the way that I see it, uh, mods kind of fall into three categories. It's... They accentuate your gameplay, but don't really change much. They're more fun or useful. For example, there's a Fallout 4 mod that you can download that will trash... well, not trash, but basically break down everything in a settlement so that you don't have to go and click and put it in your storage, or click and break it down to get materials. That really doesn't affect your gameplay, except make you more successful in breaking all that down and not missing anything. Or there's another one that names all the unnamed NPC settlers. So that doesn't really change it. The second is that there's mods that change your gameplay for the better, accentuate the actual gameplay itself.
0: Okay, so you're talking about graphical mods, things that make higher-res textures, stuff like that?
1: There's a mod that takes the murky water and turns it crystal clear. I don't really agree with that because it feels like cheating. The reason why the water is murky is so that you can't see down to the bottom just like real life. Okay. (laughs) Which, again, doesn't necessarily... It makes your gameplay easier to get achievements and everything. But then the third category is mods that completely change gameplay. And make it easier or unrealistic in some situations, such as the Fallout 4 mod. And the only reason why I know these off the top of my head is because when we talked about it before, I did a little bit of research about mods themselves, uh, specifically for Fallout 4 being a player of that game. They've got one that shoots in uh, a portal, like from...
0: From the game portal. From
1: the game portal. (laughs) So you've got one blue, one orange portal. You know, that sounds pretty familiar. And you can get into places where you should not be able to go or escape battles that you should not be able to escape from. And to me, that just feels like glorified cheating.
0: I think it is. I don't think you're wrong when you say that. But I don't think it hurts anybody. It's not in an online multiplayer game. I can see your point about achievements. You may earn achievements... That you wouldn't have earned normally, but achievements are essentially fake internet points, right? So that's not that big of a deal. But I look at it like the old Game Genie and Game Sharks back in the day. Game Sharks probably worse, especially on the Game Boy and the Game Boy Advance, when you could like, you know, level up your Pokemon and do some, you know, alter them and then trade those to people. So you were altering you were altering somebody else's experience. But I guess I'm not saying like I'm not into it. I don't like to cheat the games. I like to play them as they originally are. But I don't have a problem with people doing it.
1: And I think some of them, like I said, some of them are harmless. But then there's some that are so completely outside of the norm of the actual the actual yeah. game itself that it doesn't, it doesn't fit. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, everybody who's played the computer-based Doom, the first one that came out, knew the code to get the unlimited bullets and get the code for the unlimited life. And I am not going to deny that I... That I didn't do that, because oh, okay, I did. Okay, so you
0: were a dirty cheater, okay. I'm just, I just wanted to clarify that you are a dirty cheater, <laughs> yep. okay? Carry but that on.
1: was because that game was so hard. <laughs> I was bad. <laughs> I'm still bad at shooter games, as you have seen me try to play Fallout.
0: <laughs> yes. The fact that you called it a shooter game, I think, is part of the reason that you're so bad at it. <laughs> but, moving on, you know, now the story we were talking about is, it's just great news that they are coming. It
1: is great, because it does allow for users that maybe have played those games on PC to have a similar experience and allow people who haven't played PC to have that experience with mods. Would I like to download the Name Your Settler or whatever that one is called? Sure, I think that would enhance my game experience, but I'm not going to download the Portal Gun.
0: (laughs) That's what I like about this news, though, is that there's always been a a, a rift between PC gamers and console gamers. Mm -hmm. And console gamers have a lot of pluses in their category. You know, you put a game in, it works. PC gamers have a lot of pluses in their category. They always have the better looking games, they can perform better if you have a better PC, stuff like that. Well, one of the big benefits to PC gaming was always customization and mod support. So while this certainly isn't on every game, and it's only on a few, it's really neat, I think, that Bethesda and Sony worked it out, and obviously this was coming to Xbox anyway as well. So I'm glad that they worked it out so that more people get that experience because it it, it's a neat experience if you want to experience it. Personally, I've never been much of a mod guy. There's been a few games like Just Cause 2 where it's a great single-player game and someone made a multiplayer mod for it, oh. and the multiplayer is bananas. It is so much fun. And that game was like $2 on Steam not too nice. long ago, and I bought it for so many people. And we'll probably never play it, but at least now they have it so that if I ever want to, I can get everyone together and we can just go crazy.
1: Well, and you do bring up a good point, that it's nice that everybody kind of is in the same pool, everybody's happy, they're at the same party, they're eating the same cake. Everybody <laughs> can eat the cake now. And it, the cake is the mods, obviously, in this analogy.
0: Which which is funny because we've seen the consoles kind of going more towards the PC market also in how they're releasing like .5 versions of themselves. So we're releasing like a more powerful PS4 coming out in November called the PS4 Pro, for anyone who hadn't heard about that. And then you've got whatever they're going to call Xbox Project Scorpio coming out next year. So they're taking cues from the PC market. And for a while, a couple years ago, it looked like the PC market was trying to take cues from the consoles, so we had things like the Steam Machine coming out, which was Valve's way of... Uh, initially, the idea was that Valve was going to make PCs with set, set um, hardware inside, so that a game company could go, oh, well, if we're going to make this work for your Steam Machine, we'll have a separate setting that it's tweaked to work perfectly with that. Mm. Unfortunately, they started doing Steam Machines, and they started doing like Steam Boxes, and all of them... Then they had like 10 different versions. So then it completely defeated the purpose. Then all it became was just a Steam-slash-Valve-branded PC. So, it, it, But originally, PC looked like they were going that way. They looked like they were going to make a uniform box that people could buy, and then that would allow you to play these PC games without having to download patches and turn settings down or turn sure. settings up, all that sort of stuff. So, But I think it's cool. So they're bringing them to Skyrim first. Is that right? Or are they coming to Fallout first? And they're coming to Skyrim first. Yes. And then they're coming to Fallout later when they get that figured out. And mm-hmm. then they're gonna work on and then they're gonna work on the HD pack for the PS4 Pro. So if you get a PS4 Pro, Bethesda's also working on the the higher resolution, the higher graphic pack, however right. you wanna say it. So that's pretty cool. That's good news. Yeah. Especially since we like just a month ago we were talking about how it stunk that they couldn't do it. <laughs> so yes. it's cool. It's a good turnaround. Look at that positive note we get to start positive the day on. Enough.
1: Woohoo! This is great. Woohoo! You can also make Macho Man Randy Savage. You can replace all the Deathclaw enemies with Macho Man Randy Savage in, in Fallout. 4. In
0: Skyrim, you can replace the dragons with Macho Man, <laughs> and it looks like a dragon, but his head stretched out, and it's Macho Man's bo- a head. Oh yeah! It, it is the greatest. We'll watch a video after this is done because okay. you've never—if you've never seen it, it's no. going to change your life for the better. <laughs>
1: all right, our next topic. <laughs> Co- and I, I, I'm I, so sorry if I mispronounce this, because sometimes I, if I say it in my head and it sounds right. You got sounds, this. Right? You got it. Koji Igarashi. Yeah, good uh, job. All right, He says that Bloodstained Wii U version may not come out.
0: Which we were talking about. So we talked about last week, we talked about Bloodstained, because we had talked about Castlevania the 30th anniversary of Castlevania right. and how um, they were the no. birthday boy that no friends showed up to. No. Actually, they're the birthday boy whose parents forgot it was their birthday <laughs> and forgot to give him a party.
1: A little girl's 14. Yeah. I,
0: see him, I see him sitting there holding like a balloon that he got from a grocery store like a week earlier. Oh, so the balloon's so still... kind of like
1: con- halfway. Yeah, it's halfway. It's like all wrinkly. It's
0: lower than he is, but it's not on the ground yet. It's just really <laughs> sad. So anyway, so he was talking to IGN and Igarashi said, it, "Now this is translated from Japanese, so you have to take it for what it's worth." Uh, and he unfortunately doesn't speak English. I met him a few times. I have uh, he signed a few things for me, like oh, I, have have DS, I have a DS. No way! I have a DS, and actually, in the hallway, um, on the way up the staircase, there's yes. a Castlevania picture. Oh, it's that! The or- that's signed by him.
1: Oh, there we go. Yep. It all comes full
0: circle. Yep. Uh, and he always wears a cowboy hat. It's hilarious. So anyway, in this translation, he now this isn't confirmed by any stretch but if everyone remembers the kickstarter during the bloodstain kickstarter they got to a certain dollar amount and that one of the stretch goals was going to be a wii u version well now he's saying that because the game got delayed to 2018 early 2018 which is a, a year essentially a year and a half away that it doesn't necessarily make sense to release it on that console anymore sure and they're saying that you know it doesn't make sense to release it on a on a retired console, or I don't remember the word he used. I think it was on a, like a legacy console or whatever. So I, I'm i really bummed out because I think there's a lot of people that want it on the Wii U. Mm-hmm. And Nate's one of those people, you know, our good friend Nate. He, we were talking about this a little bit earlier today. He was saying how disappointed he was and how mad he was and how mad some of the fans would be. And all I can think to myself is, I think they're more than right to be mad if they kickstarted it for that version. Oh, sure. However, if by 2018... If you have a Wii U, but you didn't buy the new Nintendo system, and you don't have any other way to play the game, that seems weird to me. Like, I think there will be a version out there. I think Nate, and maybe he'll (laughs) listen to this and then sass me real good about it, but he's kind of like me, where he likes to collect things that are rare and unique. And the Wii U version of that game would have been rare and unique. Sure. Because there would have been very low print. They Mm -hmm. wouldn't have sold very much. It was on a console that's essentially out the door. But now that it's not coming, it wasn't going to be the best version of the game anyway, in my opinion. I guess there's not really no a way to know that, but it's a traditional side scroller. You know, I would assume that the PS4 controller would be better. But yeah, so I think people are are right to be upset, and they should get a refund if they only kickstarted it for the Wii U version. Right. I would. Ne- I mean, that's that's one of the issues with Kickstarter. But I don't think he's wrong, and I say him as in uh, Koji Igarashi, I don't think he's wrong for doing it. I actually think it's a smart business move, and it makes a lot of sense to not spend resources developing a game for a system that's essentially, you know. Out but the door.
1: how much work would it really be to create the game for that platform and give it to the people who backed it? I'm, I I'm, I would be disappointed if I kickstarted it and then they told me later, well, you know, we said that it was going to be for the Wii U, but it got delayed. Sorry, too bad, so sad.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's as much an issue with making the game. Formatted to the Wii U as much as it is dancing around Nintendo's policies for getting games on the store, because th- there's been other developers like um, the guys who do Super Meat Boy. They had an issue with the Wii U version for a while because they, it was just like a smidge over the size. There's like a size limit for oh. games that could be on there, and and Nintendo's made changes to that. But I wonder if it's more about not dealing with them more than it is necessarily physically making it for that system. Because you're right, you want to make a game for as many systems as you can to sell hmm But if if you look at it and you say, well it's gonna cost and these are just numbers I'm pulling out of my butt, but if these are like say it's cost ten thousand dollars to make, well if you're making it for a system where you anticipate only five thousand sold If the profit per isn't over what it's going to cost to make it, it's just a business decision to make it or not. But I I agree. It's a bummer. I'd love to see it, and especially if they made a physical disc for that, I'd love to buy it and put it in my collection.
1: I think a lot of people would because of the relative rarity of it and the out of scope of that whole project would be to create a Wii U version for a game that's probably going to be, for the majority of the time, on the new Nintendo NX.
0: Right, and he didn't come out and say it's going to be on the NX, but that would make sense. Of well, course nobody <laughs> knows what the NX is.
1: So. And I and I read the the quote and it's it's very very wishy-washy. However, this was a game that was backed by people and we made promises to them. They're the people that gave us life, so to speak. And sort of change that uh, any sort of change that we do or are considering that goes outside the scope of the promises we made, must be done with a lot of explanation, must be done with a lot of care, and must be done with a lot of back and forth with them to see what options we have. That sounds to me like they would have their backers make a choice, perhaps?
0: It sounds very non-committal.
1: That's a good word for it, non-committal. And, and he's
0: not saying it's gone, and he's not saying it's here. Right. So that's, maybe they're kind of feeling this out, too, and they're putting it out to their... They're putting out this this interview. We'll see how much traction it gets. And if there's an uproar of 500 people, they probably won't care about that. If there's an uproar sure. of five to 10,000 people canceling and wanting refunds on their Kickstarter investment, then that's totally possible that they would say, well, you know, that happens all the time. They're like, well, due to a fan reaction, we're, we decided to stick with it, guys. And then they... Still make it.
1: I just, uh, there's got to be some sort of benefit for the people that backed the project. If they backed it for a specific console that they own and it's going to be made for a console that they won't necessarily own or might not own for a while, there's got to be something that Nintendo has to do for those people. Because it's not fair. It can be something as simple as, here's a rebate. Or well, here's money back, or here's something. It wouldn't something.
0: be Nintendo's fault, though. It wouldn't have anything to do with them. But I, I totally agree. Like, with people who would be buying the Wii U version, if the Wii U is the only system they have, and they're going to be planning on having it come early 2018, then they totally deserve a refund. Like, there's no question. I'll never, I'll never badmouth anybody who wants a refund if they only want the Wii U version. But I just don't think that that number is very high. Of people that would say, I only wanted the Wii U version, and if you can't give me the Wii U version, I don't want any version of it. I just think that number is very low. Like, I could see people being disappointed and saying, well, fine, I'll get it on PS4. I prefer the Wii U, but I'll get it on PS4. Or I have a Vita. I didn't want to play it on a handheld. I was going to play it on the Wii U, but fine. And they give it in. But I just can't imagine the number is very high, though. I don't know. But either way, it's, it would have been cool to come out, but if it doesn't come out, I don't think... It's that big of a deal either.
1: Can't disappoint the fans.
0: No, and, and, and it, he seemed at least a little apologetic. Like, he didn't... Igarashi didn't come out and start saying, well, it doesn't make sense and, you know, bashing everybody for saying that they wanted it and saying that it was stupid if you wanted it. At least he came out and he understands that he's only around right now because of his fans that kick-started the crap out of his game. Right. So, that's it's always nice when a guy like that is still humble about it. that so. is nice. Yeah, what's (laughs) segue time? You know what's not so nice, Jen.
1: (laughs) I'll tell you what's (laughs) not so nice. Did you know that the new Call of Duty Infinite Warfare has an install size of one hundred and thirty gigabytes?
0: I did because I'm the one who sent you the
1: you but story.
0: (laughs) But but yes, so this (laughs) this is. I don't know. I don't even know what to say. This is this is there's this is an, insane. To there's me. an
1: article from Destructoid, and their title is as follows: "Time to Delete Your Games: Infinite Warfare Legacy Edition Requires 130 Gigabytes Install."
0: So to be clear, this is the Legacy Edition. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, the Legacy Edition is the new Call of Duty Infinite War. Infinite Warfare. Warfare. Infinite War. Infinite War. Fight. Fighter. Fair. Inf- Infinite Battlefield, for, for Fighter, Fair. Okay, so... <laughs> it, that version is the one that you have to buy if you want to get the remastered Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. So that's what a lot of people would say is their favorite Call of Duty game. It, okay. it is It is probably... It's my favorite, easily. But it's up there for most people. Most people will tell you that Call of Duty 4 and Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 are the two best Call of Duty games in the series. Those were the last ones that were done by... West and Zampanella before they left. Remember I told you that story about how Activision was like spying on them and it was like real life Mission Impossible and then they left to go for yeah. another company? So that was those guys. Oh. They made it. They they made Call of Duty what it is. Them and their people I should say in their studios made Call of Duty what it is today. And Activision, you know, they didn't want to pony up and then that's there's a huge split, whatever. So they go and they go to EA they do whatever. Well, sales of Call of Duty have been declining fairly steadily over the last couple years. So to boost that, they decided to do a remastered version of Call of Duty 4. Right. I mean, everyone's jumping on the remastered train, so yeah. why not these guys? You know, whatever. For me, I actually would really like to play it. I would. I'd like to play it. In fact, if they released that game separately with and, and released Infinite Warfare separate, nobody, I don't think, would buy Infinite Warfare because everybody would buy the remaster <laughs> of Call of Duty 4. So what they do is, because Activision pays more people to market their games, I think, than to actually make them, so they come out and say... We're making a bundle, and the only way to get this game that everybody wants is, is to, buy. to buy the $130 version. So Ew. before we get to the, the pain in the butt that the install size is, uh, recently, just the other day too, they announced that you do have to have the disc in this system to play the Modern Warfare reboot. So you can't buy the game take the digital code out, and then sell Infinite Orphan. Oh, because that's what everybody would have done.
1: Yes. So Activision
0: knows this. They're smart. <laughs> they're smart. They know what they're doing. <laughs> they know that people don't want their crappy Call of Duty game this year. So they make you bundle it together. They make you keep it. And there it is. Mm-hmm. So okay, so that's fine. This is We've known this for a while. Minus the disc thing. We just found that out. But we've known that it's going to be bundled together for a while. We're getting over it. We're debating if we want to buy it. And then this news comes out. A hundred and thirty gigabytes. So ninety gigabytes is for infinite warfare. Yes. And forty gigabytes is just for the
1: just for the remastered Modern edition. Warfare remaster.
0: Mm-hmm. I Okay, that's fine. That's it's fine. not as
1: surprising as you would think with the sophistication of games and everything. But for people who have older PS4s with smaller hard drive, this becomes
0: a problem. It, When the PS3 came out, it launched in 20 gig or 60 gig models. So you think about that back then, and that was awful, and every game had to install, and some installs were as small as a gig or two, and some were up to 5 or 10, but that's where it kind of sat. The Xbox 360 came out with either zero hard drive or 20 gigabytes. That's the original 360. Really? A year Mm. earlier before the PS3. So then when we hear about the PS4 and Xbox One coming out, and they're like 500 gigabyte hard drive, we're all like, finally. I don't have to upgrade my hard drive. Finally, <laughs> You're right? They're giving me all the gigabytes <laughs> look at, I need.
1: Look at all these gigabytes. I can take a, I can take a swim in those gigabytes.
0: <laughs> Every gigabyte you could ever want, at your fingertips. <laughs> and then games start coming out for PS4 that have forty gigabyte installs. Yes. And I oh. thought to myself, all oh, this is mental. Now on the PS4, and again, everybody knows I'm more of a Sony guy. Mm-hmm. than a microsoft guy but we're gonna hear some pluses and minuses when it comes to this today so with the ps4 though the way the games install you put a game in it partially it partial installs and then you can play the game and it installs in the background sure so this is up to developers to do that for both systems however the xbox everything takes longer on the xbox one installing games is a nightmare in my opinion it just takes forever I can't imagine how long it's going to take to install this game and download <laughs> updates and stuff like that. A very
1: long time. We, we
0: had a guy come into the store. I told you the story. We had a guy mm-hmm. come into the store, and he was at the local college where their internet is kind of blocked for gaming and stuff. So the internet's super bottlenecked. And, he, and, so. and his Xbox One he bought from us, he really wanted to get updated and everything. So I told him, I'll tell you what, he bought like four or five games. Like, just leave it with me for a day. I'll install these four or five games, and I'll update them and everything. It'll be good to go. One of them was like the Master Chief collection, and that was 92 gigabytes. Oh and it took God. me it took all day to and I had to download that much. So yeah. it took me all day for one game. And so just a big pain in the butt. So that game though, Master Chief Collection, is four four Halo games, three Halo games? Four. It's four Halo four Halo games. So why I don't understand. I mean that makes sense if that's 90 gigs, okay? Like, okay, I get it, it's a whole bunch of games on one collection. But what is in this Call of Duty game that's ninety gigabytes? It
1: has to be. It's 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 all the art. It's all the gameplay. All these games are getting it's, so much more sophisticated now than than their first iterations. It, it it makes sense because of that. But even if you have a one terabyte hard drive on your machine, that's still a tenth. That's a tenth by one game.
0: So. And, and as I always like to be fair and non-hypocritical, so at least Microsoft comes out and sa- with their Xbox and it's compatible with external USB hard drives. Oh,
1: see, that's nice.
0: So at least you could go buy like a two or three terabyte external and do that. No problem. Right. However, so then you get the PS4, no external hard drive server.
1: <laughs> and that doesn't make any sense. Now,
0: the PS4 lets you swap the hard drive which is nice without voiding your warranty. The Xbox One, you cannot take out the hard drive Wait, without taking the whole thing apart. So
1: you take out, you'd swap out the hard drives? Like, how yeah. would you do that? Well, you
0: would take, you'd have to back up, what you can do is you can back up your hard drive to an external oh, hard drive. you can okay. But you can't, you can't just store you stuff on it. You can't take it out, okay. So, Sony at least lets you change the hard drives, but they don't let you hook up an external. It makes no sense. My, my friend John, I was talking to him about this the other day, and he made a good point. He's a, uh, a manager at GameStop, and he was talking about how when he was at his conference, that he talked to a lady at Sony, and he was trying to explain to her that Microsoft's doing things like co-branding accessories. You can sure. get like a certain hard drive manufacturer that actually says Forza on it, or it says Gears of War on it. It's a marketing oh, nice. double thing mm. that's made Microsoft. Sony is just like, well, we can swap the hard drives. Why do you need an external? <laughs>
1: Be- because your games are 130 gigabytes.
0: Because when you take out a hard drive and put a new one in, it has to format. So you uh-huh. can't have multiple hard drives that you just plug in with the stuff you want on it. It's really frustrating. And
1: that, to me, would make the most sense. I mean, it, it's like, uh, what was it, the Nintendo 64 that had the first where you could put in a memory card?
0: Uh, it, was, it was the disc-based era, so you'd be looking at PS1... Sega Saturn. Well, no, Saturn had built-in memory. Excuse me, but PS One. Oh, and- I'm
1: thinking. I'm thinking my PS Two has the. Yep. Yep. Has that? I, I was imagining it in my head. I don't know why I said Nintendo 64, but I, I thought there was something there that you could get. What's that little part in the in the top?
0: For the N64? Yeah. That's the expansion pack. That's actually a RAM upgrade. Oh, so that, that boosts the power of your 64 right. so you can play stuff like Donkey Kong. So it's been a while since with, i played 64. Which, so, so, you know, 500 gigabytes seemed amazing, but when you look at a game that has a 130 gigabyte install,
1: that's less it's, it's than... the
0: equivalent of a 20 gig hard drive on the PS3 when it first came out. Like, it's just, it's just bad.
1: And who has... Who, who's gonna... What you're gonna have to do is what everybody does... And go through and delete a bunch of games that you have already are in the progress of playing or have finished playing but don't want to give up on because you're trying to get other achievements or whatever.
0: Right. And, And so you can uninstall your games, which is fine. It doesn't delete your save data. It just takes the game data off of your system. Okay. That's fine. At least with the PS4, the install times are a lot less. But I can't imagine having a 500 gigabyte hard drive on an Xbox One and then having to delete and reinstall games like uh, every couple weeks—that right. would it would make me mental.
1: It would be just... I'd, you'd ew. have to leave
0: it on overnight and ew. let it go and update and everything. Oh, it's the worst. So I just that that I don't understand what is even that much data. I don't care how many polygons you have, <laughs> that that and how and how and how high res your textures are and how much voice acting you have and all that stuff, because clearly that all takes up room. But I wonder if for faster load times they're doing less compression. Oh, because, that be it. Because they're like, oh, we got 500 gigs, guys. We can make this game 90 gigs, no big deal. But they don't take into consideration the fact that there's hundreds of other games out there sure. that we play, <laughs> Especially now in the digital era where people are downloading full games. Oh, definitely. Oh, man. I, you know, it, it is what it is. I don't like Call of Duty anyway. I've always been more of a Battlefield guy. And I liked Call of Duty up to about Black Ops 1, and I just kind of gave up on it because the game just wasn't changing enough for my taste. So I've always been more of a Battlefield guy. I, I I just think it's I think it's crazy mm-hmm. I don't I don't I agree I don't see how that's acceptable by anybody, but you know we're still gonna buy it and play mono warfare on it so well, I guess somebody it will buy
1: it and that person will not be me
0: so <laughs>
1: because again, as I mentioned before, Jen is not good at shooter games.
0: Well, I don't typically play shooters on the console though. I'll, if I'm gonna play them, I'll play them on PC. But the way we have our PC set up right now, where I sit back on the couch like a like a like just a slob, I can't I can't play competitive shooters that way. I can no. pl- I can get by playing WoW that way, but I can't play. Uh... I can't play anything fast-paced like that because I'm moving my mouse literally on the leather couch. Like, I'm sliding it across. I don't Wait, have a mouse you got pad. that. Yeah, you do. Oh, I don't even use it. I don't it. Oh,
1: it's, well, you it, have one. It
0: bunches up, babe. It's oh, it, it's, well. it's always getting all twisted.
1: Oh, well, that sounds like <laughs> so, a personal problem. But. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to buy the new Call of Duty, make sure that you have plenty of hard drive space oh, everybody. Oh,
1: man. Do a, do a total purge of your hard drive <laughs> is what he's really saying. This takes us to our main story.
0: It's actually a follow-up. You could call it a follow-up to a previous podcast story.
1: It's our main story follow-up.
0: It's our main It's our main story follow-up it's story. It's a
1: follow-up to another main yeah. story. So Let's stop talking let's, about uh, that.
0: Let's get right to it. So, Digital Homicide.
1: Digital Homicide. They're
0: back in the news again.
1: Back in the set. So,
0: for anybody who didn't hear already, Digital Homicide, we talked about them because they had... Uh, the news article we were actually covering was how Steam stopped...
1: Removed all their removed games. Removed all their
0: games because they were, quote unquote, being hostile to customers. And really, there was a. We, we had a good discussion about it, though, about how they were legitimately being harassed. Yes. And we certainly feel that there's no place for that. No. But we also commented on how it's not necessarily what happens, it's how you deal with what happens that really leaves an impression mm-hmm. about you, right? Mm. So, Digital Homicides Back the News, they're officially dropping all of the lawsuits that Just they filed against those Steam users. Dropping them. And in his words and the company is
1: destroyed
0: destroyed it's a little dramatic. it
1: uh, okay i mean it's not, it's not dramatic. It's, it's not inaccurate it's not inaccurate I I
0: guess. Guess. it's just you know
1: dramatic maybe but i think gets his point across
0: <laughs> so one of the key things when i was reading this about this from a few different places was that he he asked for it was he, he asked for it to be to be tossed out based on without, dismissed without prejudice. That's the term I'm looking for. So that means that he wants it dismissed so that uh, for no other reason than he just does not have the money to pursue it. And it leaves it open. If the judge approves that, it leaves it open that he can, in the future, choose to sue again. It's not being dismissed because it's wrong. He's dismissing it without prejudice, meaning he can refile later if he would have more money later to sue more people.
1: So... James Romine, I think is how you pronounce it. It's either Romine or Roman. Okay. He is one of the co-owners. I believe they're brothers.
0: I think that's right. I think they're yeah. brothers.
1: Uh, he spoke with Tech Raptor and said, you know, the reason he's asking the case to be dismissed, as Greg said, is because it's no longer financially feasible or possible with the fact that all the games were dropped from Steam because they don't have any money. They're not yep. getting any money. And his case doesn't have merit, and if the judge agrees to drop it, uh, as you said, he can refile. And there's actually an article on Destructoid that mentions that as well. But it's interesting because there's there's some... Shenanigans? Shenan- I was trying to think of another way to say that. <laughs> But there's some there's some questioning of whether or not digital homicide is really and truly a, a game company or a developer of games,
0: mm-hmm. which seems silly because they've literally made games. They've so.
1: made games, but it's there's something in Steam called shovelware.
0: Shovelware is like a generic term, kind of for the you know for like junk software. We use that term when we talk about the Wii as well because there's so much shovelware where you take a platform that's popular and you just make some junk for it and try to make a quick buck on it.
1: Right. And we talked about this earlier. I wasn't familiar with how Steam actually worked. But before a game actually gets to Steam, it has to go through a voting process on a website called Greenlight. Well,
0: it's, it's it's a part of Steam. So right, that, right. Right. it's a it's part. Steam greenlight process. So yep. they have yep.
1: to they have to submit their games to this greenlight website, get voted on, and if it's deemed worthy to be in Steam, then it will move on and be able to be purchased and downloaded and all of that. A lot of people are coming around and saying that well, Digital Homicide just a shovelware they they don't do real. They don't do games. They're not in it for the games. They're in it for the money. But it it's very odd because you think, well, if they make crappy games, how are they right. actually making money?
0: Well, and I think that's where the practice becomes dubious. Mm-hmm. So there's no. This has never been brought against them. So what we're saying or what people are speculating about. So we want to be clear about that. But this there there's something very. Fishy. Very fishy about, you know, they've made something like 20 plus games over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. And if the idea was you'd put them out at like a buck or two a piece and you could make ten to $20,000, you know, well, let's say 30000 let's thirty or $40,000 a year or whatever the number would be, that's not a bad way to do it. Like, some people spend two years making a game that's going to make them a million dollars, and some people make a bunch of little titles and have a bunch of little ones on the marketplace to slowly generate revenue. Right. But there's a lot of questioning behind these guys and their practice, where people are are accusing them of manipulating... um, Well, it'd be manipulating what's technically allowed in Steam.
1: Right. So they put
0: their game at such a discounted price... And they have things that you can earn, right? Uh, You can earn icons, emojis, you can earn trading cards really is what it is. So you earn the trading cards and those trading cards can be sold on the Steam marketplace. So apparently what they've been doing is they've been giving away tons of copies for free, discounting and putting their games into bundles that are super, super cheap so that they can earn a fraction of the money that's being generated when people are selling these things for a profit so if someone gets the game for free there's like programs out there that you can download that'll automate this whole thing where it it like gets you the cards like data mines the cards for you then it'll sell them on the auction house on a marketplace for you and then valve gets a cut digital homicide gets a cut and the person selling them gets a cut so essentially everybody's making money in this deal so no that's why it hasn't really come up before but it's it was kind of a flawed system it was never meant to be designed to be done that way but i think these guys have found a loophole and they're exploiting it
1: right i I really
0: i I mean that makes a lot of sense i mean again i don't have any proof of that just from what i read online and i don't i'm not talking like i'm just you know reading like national Enquirer or something you know we're looking at a few decent journalists who have looked into this and some people some you you know i'm never really big on quoting youtubers but there's been some really well done story on this Mm -hmm. and if that's what's happening Ooh, I can't say I feel bad for these guys anymore. I, you know, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about this, I was the first to say right. I can relate to these guys.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, again, being somebody who made a game that was not successful, I'm being really kind to myself today. <laughs> yes. The game that was not <laughs> successful, and I can appreciate how sometimes a lot of hard work does not always equal a good game. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. We put a lot of work into the pile of crap that we made. But it was a lot of work, and it was hard work. We worked really hard on it. Um, Jake was giving me a hard time. He was the artist on our project. And he was giving me like, hard time because he listened to the podcast, second. and he was like, "He's like, oh, what do you talk about? I take a personal fence. And then he goes, "No, I'm just kidding. It was crap." You know, he knows, and I know, and hopefully Chad and, and uh, Chris will listen to it too. That was our four man team for that, and I mean, they, they would they would not disagree. Now we might disagree on why, but I don't even think that's the case either. I think you know, it wasn't. It just didn't work out. So I can understand where these guys were coming from. If they were just trying to make it. But if that was their scheme from the beginning was to say let's sell stuff at a super discounted price, let's make some money off the marketplace, that's going to be our business model, that to me isn't helping the game industry at all. And I don't want people like that in the game industry. Exactly. And it's a good thing that I'm in charge of who's allowed in the game industry (laughs) because I'm I'm so high up there that I get to pick who gets to make games Mm -hmm. and stuff. So you're all welcome.
1: Well, I actually found an article. I didn't know Kotaku had international... Uh, feeds or international oh, sure. sites, but Kotaku Australia created an article uh, written by Nathan Grayson, the people fighting to keep crappy games off of Steam. Now I'm going to say this, and it's going to be really confusing, but you have to be very close, pay close attention to how I say it. We've got Digital Homicide, the developer. The name of this organization. Which call themselves a dedicated consumer advocacy group is called the Digital Homicides. If that
0: totally be coincidence, I'm sure.
1: Super clear. I bet you it
0: was just coincidence, right? That, <laughs> I they, think that so. they're against crappy games getting on Steam, and they just happen to call themselves Digital Homicide. <laughs> that, that just I 100 guaranteed coincidence.
1: But most likely, <laughs> I think so. What they are dedicated to do is to keep poorly made sketchy scammy games off of steam and they agree with what you had said that the scope of the problems aren't limited to green light but it's often the source because they have a broken and a and very very frequently abused voting system
0: remember a couple weeks ago too when i had said that i wish i could be a pr guy for right. these right <laughs> I actually, they don't apparently need me because as I was reading some of these articles, they, one of, one of the Romines made a comment about how, you know, they're like, we're trying to fight for the consumer and bring these prices down. Like they're, they're trying to put their positive yeah. spin on. I'm actually really impressed by that because that's what I would have told them to do if I was like their sleazy sure. PR guy. <laughs> um, that, that would have been part of their imagery brand. Like I'd walk in with my suit, kind of like...
1: Saul Goodman? Uh, well,
0: that's actually better than what I was going to say. <laughs> I was gonna say in the wedding singer, you know, and they get the other the other wedding singer, you know. Oh, John
1: Lovitz. John Lovitz, is,
0: you know that that's how I pictured myself looking as their sleazy PR guy.
1: <laughs> you, I'm reaping the benefits. <laughs> but anyway, th- they say well, you know we're not a lynch mob. We're we're just here to voice our opinion, catching developers in a lie and bloodhounding the green light and Steam software trying or website.
0: Trying to pinpoint who's manipulating the system and who's not. Right. Unfortunately, as much as I'd like to believe that, and I believe that most people there do that, there's some real pieces of work in that group,
1: too. Oh, most definitely. They say, well, you know, we try to... Every, you know, everybody has their own red flags and everybody has their own way of dealing things. But when it comes down to it, the people who are the loudest are usually the most obnoxious and those people are not being constructive in their feedback, which is what speared this whole problem because a lot of, if not all of the people named in that lawsuit were also part mm. of this digital homicides group.
0: So what is it they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. They do say that. So I think that's something like pertains to this. So they start this group, they've got a good cause, and then people come in and just take it over and screw it up.
1: Well right. The the Kotaku article says something very similar. They walk the line between constructive criticism, which is their stated goal, and outright harassment. And as much as they tout and say, you need to follow our guidelines if you want to be yeah. in this group and, and be a watchdog, but they don't police their own people.
0: And what's funny about that article, too, is that it mentions that some of the people included in the lawsuit from Digital Homicide, the developer, were some of the people, some of the members of Digital Homicides, the advocacy group. <laughs> so, either that, and again, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Some of the things people are saying were awful.
1: Horrible. And, and
0: that has zero place in what we're doing. Even if these guys are manipulating the system, like a lot of people are accusing them of, they still don't deserve that. It no. Might, you never deserve that. I'm sorry. And, and that's part of what we talked about where the internet, like us, we have to be better. Like we have to make, you know, the internet is so cool. And the idea of all of us being connected is so cool, but there are people that, I mean, just like in real life, there's always been people that, that want to bring you down. They're like they're like happiness leeches where like they see happy people mm-hmm. and they see good things and they're not happy or they're not having good things, so they want to take it from you. They exactly. don't want to share it with you. They want to take it from you. You're not allowed to have it. You're not allowed to be happy if I'm not happy. But well, nothing will make me happy. So, you know, well, that's, that's, just, the that's the a thing, human thing in general. But
1: That's very true because somebody will leech the happiness off of you and it doesn't make them happy, but they're content in seeing you not being and, happy. And sometimes
0: they're happy... <laughs> Knowing that they're not alone in not being happy.
1: Yeah, some people just like misery loves company. Misery loves
0: totally. You know, not Mm -hmm. cliche at all. That's it's the truth. And some people are like that, and it really bums me out because there's so many people that aren't like that. You know, but we don't have that loud of a voice. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so important that we, you know, all of our listeners here, the, the millions of people, of, the millions of you at home right now listening to this, <laughs> it's so important. Let's, let's become, let's, you know, the, the, the hundreds of millions out there that we, that follow us every single day. Uh, May
1: I say the billion?
0: P- quite possibly billions. We haven't gotten the new numbers yet. We're, we're waiting on the, <laughs> we're waiting on the Nielsen ratings to, to come in on our listener count. Uh, most people probably don't know what the Nielsen ratings are. Okay. No. Okay. So, yeah, you know, so either way, if if they are doing this, I don't want them making games. If they're trying to get better and they're trying to make good games, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Now, this might also be why Jim Sterling was especially harsh on them. Maybe he was into this sort of thing in the beginning. Like, he knew about this and he was wondering about this claim. And so maybe that's why he was challenging them on it. You know, and again, when I go back to that Skype interview... You haven't listened to that yet. It's but when we do,
1: oh, I don't know. It it would I would <laughs> crawl cringy. up in a ball. It's so cringy. It,
0: but there's there's info there, and there's he doesn't seem like he's trying to game the system. Like I almost thought that the, that one of the Romines, whoever was on there, that he legitimately felt insulted by the bad press he was getting. But I don't know if that's just because he wanted. He wants to do this as a career. Like, he's probably just protecting his family. Like, anybody wants to do that, you know? And I do feel bad for somebody if it was his dream to make games and he got to make them for a little bit and then all this stuff happened, albeit by his own hand for the most part. But if that's not the case, if he was just... If he just wanted to make a quick buck off of this industry, then I'm okay with him being gone. I don't wish ill will on him, and I hope that he lands on his feet because obviously you never want to wish that someone doesn't do well, and you don't want to wish someone to lose their job. I mean, that's really bad. You want them to be able to take care of the family. You want them to be happy. Like, I wish that everybody I know can be happy. Mm -hmm. But I hope that he finds it in a different way.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's the way to say it. Maybe it's not making games.
0: Yeah. And he did mention something, you know, he talked about that, you know, so his company's quote-unquote destroyed and he's rejoining the workforce. He said that almost like we have to feel bad for him because he had to get a job. Like, doesn't everybody (laughs) have to have a job?
1: I have a job. Yeah.
0: You know, I I have a job, albeit I love my job. I still have to go to it. Here's what's funny about jobs. So people will come into the store and say things like, it must be nice to play video games all day. (laughs) Well, first of all, I don't play video games all day. I rarely play games at work. And when I do play them, I'm testing a system. So you know what I'm playing? 4x4 Evo for the PS2, because it's a blueback disc, and you have to test PS2 games with blueback discs. You know how fun that game is? Do you yeah. want to take a guess? On a scale of yeah. 1 to 10, how fun is it? A uh, negative 4. It's not, it's not even on the charts, it's so <laughs> low. That game, it's, it's one of the worst controlling games ever made, and it's horrible, and that's what I play work. But, but here's what I always say. I love what I do, though. I'm not complaining. I love my job. I was, I'm very fortunate and lucky to be able to do something that I love to do. But it's still work. You'd still rather be doing something else. If I had a choice, I would get paid to do nothing. <laughs> if, I, if I could if I could make the same amount of money doing nothing or staying at home playing games, that's what I would do. That's why it's called work. It's not called fun. So, you know, it, it, it oh, is Oh
1: man, I think you're channeling your dad right now. I was like I, it's not it's not called fun. It's work. Yeah, it's not fun.
0: It's not. That does sound like my dad. It I wonder if he like ever said that. He, would say. he probably did say that sometime. <laughs> They don't call it work because it's fun.
1: <laughs> you do a good dad impression.
0: my dad's awesome.
1: <laughs> but I, I think you, you make a really good point. All of the things that we're saying and what the digital homicides squad is alluding to is all hearsay. They don't know that that was their business plan. They maybe did exploit the system because they knew that their games weren't very good, and so they wanted to make money while they were trying to make better games. Sure. That could be one explanation as well. But I think it's a, it's a they started it, no they started it, no they started it sort of situation, and that just creates a lot of negativity and a lot of hard feelings, and everybody leaves the party upset.
0: So maybe it's good that Digital Homicide is destroyed. Maybe, maybe it's good that that idea and that way of thinking mm-hmm. for them will be gone. He can maybe try again making games, and maybe he'll maybe he'll stop and he'll work on a game for six months while working another job mm-hmm. to make a good game. Like maybe, Who knows? Maybe for him this will be better, too. Like a phoenix, he'll rise from the ashes. I was just going to say phoenix! Huh. Well, I beat you to it. So you slow, girl.
1: Drat. Well, and that's also something to think about, too, is that if, if this is really an exploitation of green light and steam valve has got to take a look at that and they've got to audit their systems figure out how people are exploiting those voting systems and get everything back to their original vision because it doesn't sound like the original intent is being followed
0: yeah Yeah. And, and there's definitely personal responsibility there from valve absolutely Okay. Let's put it to rest. Let's put digital homicide Done. to bed. All we right. Need to, we need to have a voice thing. So when I do the thumbs down like that, we have like a thumbs Joe. You know, nothing. <laughs> no. We just we both did a thumbs down. and It was dead silence. <laughs> so people at home were like, "Did what, you did what's you forget how to
1: talk? Maybe we can get our voiceover guy to do thumbs up. I, I'll get thumbs I can, down. Okay. I
0: can I can get Dead Sea to do anything. Wow. Well, okay, he he was he was like. He was in my guild for a while in World of Warcraft.
1: Whoa! You know, so we, that's we, that's.
0: I, you know, I, I still, I have some strings I can pull still. That's life, I was, I was man. a big deal in World of Warcraft in, in 2008. Let me tell you. Okay, <laughs> circa 2008. You know, it was, it was pretty great being me. Okay, so all right. So, so yeah, so so that's our stories, and um, as always, we take listener questions, and we have a whole bunch today, which is awesome. So we'll get to those, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it'd be great.
1: Okay. Our first listener question is from JD. Do you think Oculus and Vive
0: Vive Vive
1: yeah. Vive and Morpheus give a glimpse into the future of gaming or is VR doomed to be a niche market?
0: So Morpheus has actually been rebranded to PlayStation VR. So Morpheus was Sony's mm. VR take for anybody who didn't know that. So VR is going to be a niche market right now, so <laughs> I, I make I make this joke a lot, and I you know I'll talk to people in the store and I'll say something like, "When when I'm when I you know when I die, I'm gonna be in like a VR chair, like like I'm gonna be in some VR hologram chamber, like i that's where I'll die. I'll die playing video games.
1: What like Ready Player One like that?
0: Maybe maybe <laughs> hopefully." <laughs> um, um that'd be that'd be awesome, you know, minus the whole world's and the toilet and oil prices are too high and everything's polluted and the world sucks and corporations are everything. Besides and you all have that to live
1: in a virtual world. And you live
0: in the stacks, which are stacks of trailers on top of each other, which is horrifying.
1: That is
0: oh, so, I forgot about that. So yeah, so so VR, in my opinion, is still a gimmick. When I watch the when I watch the videos and I've personally used the Oculus, I'm gonna buy a PlayStation VR. It's my <laughs> occupational obligation for all of you out there that I will play this thing so you don't have to. I'll drop the money so you don't have to. <laughs> um, so, which maybe we could stream that sometime. Like, I'll just be like Stevie Wonder in the I air. wonder,
1: is it possible to plug into what you're seeing? Oh, yeah. And then, okay, oh, then yeah. we should totally do that. And I'll,
0: I'll have a camera on me and everything. It'll be great. Perfect. So, right now, I do believe it's still a gimmick. But the thing that sucks is, if we want to get from where we are today... And we want to get to what I'm talking about, which is sitting in a hologram chamber, virtually interacting with holograms and stuff. If we want to get to that point, this is the stepping stone. Mm -hmm. Albeit a small step, this is a step. This has to take off. Then someone has to go, I can do that better. Mm -hmm. Then someone will go, well, since this is such a big thing, we can make money doing a projector that projects in the whole room. Mm -hmm. And then people buy that. And then it it grows and it slowly stacks on each other until we have a whole new thing. Do I think that's going to happen? I'm very sad to say no. I think more what's realistic in the future will be things like glasses and wearable devices that you can play games on. So you'll put a pair of glasses on and you'll pick up your controller. And you'll, you'll play and essentially, like, you could look around the room and it'd be like a mixture of, like, AR technology. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. so that's what I kind of think, you it's know. It's
1: like that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> it's
0: like every episode of Next Generation. No, no, the no. There is,
1: there is, not Holodeck. <laughs> Are you talking a, about Geordi's? No, not his Pfizer okay. No, okay. There is an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. People, please back me up on this. Where they get addicted to this game where it's like, like cubes going into mm-hmm. spheres going into hoops and you you move it with their eyes and then everybody gets like super obsessed with it and that's all they do is mm-hmm. play this game and then they like force Wesley to do it. It's like this whole thing and it's a very good episode. But that's what that reminded me of and that to me is terrifying. Google Glass, it's, terrifying yeah, to me.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's going to be awesome. There's actually, there's a great movie that came out in the 90s called... Uh, Strange days. Strange days. And so what What that idea was, and this is obviously taken from a lot of tropes of a lot of sci-fi books in the 80s, but the idea was that you could put a chip in and relive someone's memories. Oh. Someone else's memories. So you would record your memories, which is very almost oddly eerily similar to what we're experiencing today. People are recording themselves and other people watch them record themselves. But imagine yes. that where it's almost like you're reliving it. And then mm-hmm. there's a black market. And the black market is people who... Kill themselves, or people who kill other people, oh. or and 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 then it becomes addictive, almost like a drug, like yeah. you're saying. So that seems more not that scenario, but the idea <laughs> of wearing glasses, like like an accessory you put on, and then it augments your space around you. That seems more realistic to me than like which essentially is what this is. I was
1: just going to say, what makes that different from VR lenses or VR glasses?
0: I think you won't have to have a computer or a device attached to it. That, that's where we're going to go. Oh, okay. So this is realistically the stepping stone, but I don't think we'll ever have a thing where we walk into a room and it's all holograms that you can touch and feel like it's real stuff. It just won't ever happen. Um, our brains are too complicated for that. Like we will always be able to tell the difference. So. Oh, sure. But, but I, I I love the question. Um, and, uh, yeah, so personally I do th- I think that right now it's still very it's not going to do great and it's not going to be mainstream yet. But and and I'm also worried that there's too many companies making devices. And it reminds me of the early CD technology when the PS1 came out, you had the PS1, the Saturn, Sega CD was technically still around, you had the 3DO, you had the CDi, and you have all these other devices that are essentially this new CD like edutainment devices or educational and entertainment and there was too much. Mm-hmm. And, and when there's too many competitors, it can't... Because the software is not compatible, typically. Sure. So, now, if, if you buy a game on Steam and say it works with all versions, uh, because initially, the, uh, the Oculus was kind of locked down. Like, you couldn't play those games on other systems, and now they're saying, oh, no, we're not doing that, and they unlocked it. Uh, but that could kill the market, so it, it's up to the responsible companies that are part of the market to, to be responsible. And if they're responsible and they're open source about it, then it will take off as a as a thing. But if they're all trying to get their piece of the pie and they're being all closed off and secretive, it's it's not gonna work. It's a collaborative effort.
1: It's like Betamax or Laserdisc in that respect, where, you know, if one company kinda corners the market doesn't share the technology somebody's just going to build a better model.
0: Even even most recently like there was the format war between Blu-ray and HD DVD. Right. And there just wasn't enough room for both. If if you could buy a DVD and it would work in both, both devices would be fine. But mm-hmm. but they wanted to have different formats and then the essentially, you know, Sony put the nail in the coffin by building a Blu-ray machine into the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of put the nail in the coffin. But plus Plus the porn makers put on Blu-ray, and apparently that that, that's apparently the 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 king when they do that.
1: Well, and I think also something to talk about is the fact that some of those VR machines are a little cost prohibitive, and they're expensive. They're not. They're not cheap. Well, exactly. It's like the first CD players that came out were like six hundred bucks, or however much a VCR was. It's not going to be. A widespread experience until it gets to be cheaper. I agree. Okay, Our next question is from Joshua, which seems to be a little bit similar to the what we were just talking about of what's next. Are video games just rehashed gameplay of older generations with reskinned graphics?
0: Yes. Okay, so...
1: <laughs> okay, our next question. <laughs> um,
0: but, yeah, so I don't think that gaming's changed since the PlayStation 1. I feel like the PlayStation 1 was the last time that gaming was different. They added... And, and I when I say this, I do understand that there were certain other systems that did things like this first. But the PlayStation's really the iconic one that pushed it mainstream. So... Yes, the Sega CD could play music CDs, like the PlayStation did, but the PlayStation 1 was, I felt like, the last time that they changed how game was going to be. We went full 3D um, with everything. So you had you had a 3D processor. It wasn't just 2D um, sprites anymore. They were trying to do a multimedia sort of playing device so it could play CDs at the time. Later, obviously, the PS2 did DVDs and the PS3 did Blu-rays. So you have that. And nowadays, everything is essentially that system. It's almost that controller, which I will give credit to the Super Nintendo. This, the PlayStation controller is just a Super Nintendo controller with handles on it.
1: <laughs> uh, and an extra set of shoulder <laughs> buttons.
0: And then they added analog sticks. Oh,
1: you're right. So,
0: so, you know, I'm not giving all the credit to Sony here, but that was the last time I think that gaming was a different experience. It, it ushered us into a new era. And nowadays, if you think about it, so the PS4 has really good graphics, but you still play it with a controller. It has multimedia functions, it plays Blu-rays, and you can like, watch YouTube on it, but that's just a sign of the changing times. That's not really a different experience, it's what just a, another, it's the same experience really as it's a, always been.
1: What about the Kinect?
0: So, the Kinect, I would agree, was a different, they attempted it, same with the Wii, the Wii was trying to be different, but none of that stuff stuck. The, but, Wii, the yeah. Wii sold a ton, but it's not known, like no one's going to say that the. I mean, if you look at console sales, the Wii was the best system last generation. But nobody who had a, a Wii and an Xbox or PS3 is going to tell you that the Wii was better. It just sold more. It hit it hit oh. a ma- it hit mass market. Yeah. But it didn't stick with the core gamers, and that's why a lot of the Nintendo Wii U's failures came from. Was because one, it was a branding mistake, and two, so many people loved the Wii. They were like, "Well, why would I buy a Wii U when I have a Wii that I love and still play?"
1: That's so a the- very true statement because I had a Wii for a very long time and. I never ended up buying a Wii U. I kept it around, quite honestly, because it played GameCube
0: games. Yeah. And, and <laughs> when we're out of GameCubes at the store, we pitch the Wii to people, mm-hmm. which is only $10 more, and I'm like, it plays Wii games and GameCube games, just buy a Wii.
1: That, that's the best thing to do if you can't find a
0: GameCube anywhere, just go buy a Wii that plays GameCube games, and it's just fine. You have to buy a controller and a memory card, but it's just fine.
1: I love my GameCube. I still play my GameCube.
0: GameCube's awesome.
1: I got my GameCube as a gift. Yeah. Actually, I did too. Joe,
0: my brother Joe gave me that.
1: My friend John gave me my GameCube mm-hmm. as a, congr- yeah, John Brundage name drop. He uh, he gave it to me as a, hey, you're in your own apartment. Here's a here's something to play.
0: <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, your cable's not going to get hooked up for a week. Here's something to do. <laughs>
1: I'm so sorry. <laughs> so there you go. Cool.
0: So that that that's what I think. I don't I don't think gaming's changed much, and I don't think it's going to change much either in the future. I think it's be pretty similar to this, uh, unless VR takes off. But they've been right. trying it for a while. Uh VR's been a thing. I mean, 3D came back for a little bit, that was you know, that's already fading away. What about and, the game the
1: Game Game Boy tried to do a virtual reality?
0: Well, there was something called the Virtual Boy. Yeah. Which we don't typically speak of around here. In oh. as as we, as we oh. go as we go back to our trying to stay positive all the time thing. <laughs> no, the Virtual Boy was considered a handheld though by Nintendo. It's 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 under their handheld um umbrella. And that thing stunk. It was horrible. Okay,
1: well, we we can talk about that another time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Because I never actually played it. I always wanted to, but it was too expensive. Yeah, it's awful. Uh, Tony asks you, Greg, (laughs) why are there so many variations of the Genesis systems?
0: (laughs) Well, there's not that many, really. If you look at it compared to, like, say, for instance, the Nintendo DS or the 3DS, it pales in comparison. So... (laughs) It's. I would say the Genesis had uh, the typical lifetime system run, like a lot of systems do. So there's a there's a model one. So the first model comes out. It's pretty, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It does gets the job done. It's kind of bigger and clunkier. They made it look cool, and stylish for the times. And then later, they realize that that same technology can fit into a smaller box, can be manufactured less expensively Mm -hmm. and can be rebranded to add some freshness to the brand so So they do that so they make the the genesis 2 system Mm -hmm. it's called genesis 2 it's square instead of rectangular they took out features like the headphone jack and volume control
1: oh that sounds yes it's funny like like we we
0: complain about them taking stuff out of systems now you know back then they were like doing the same thing they jacked us up took (laughs) took the best stuff out of it although i never used headphones on my system i never had a pair of headphones when i was a kid which um hey, hey, was. they for Halloween we dressed up as California raisins, and all did was put a trash bag on us and stuffed it with newspaper, okay, so <laughs> sometimes you don't. when you grow without a lot of money that's those are your Halloween costumes, you know
1: was that really your Halloween that costume that was
0: Jared Nettie. that was not me, uh, but I was a ghostbuster one year, which was which was like a cardboard thing on the back, and we had some hose that we stuck in the back, and then it went to a <laughs> screwdriver on the end, you know, but here's what I'll say: my mom. She busted her butt on those. Oh well, yeah. My mom, my mom, my, mom made, my mom made sure that you know we looked good. You know,
1: my mom made all of our costumes. Yeah, yeah. I was a rabbit one year. <laughs> nice. Pink bunny rabbit. Nice. Yeah. Pretty sweet.
0: Jaren and Eddie were California raisins one year, and <laughs> I was amazing. I was a Ghostbuster. Here. I,
1: you know, when you think about it, the those those black garbage bags do have like a purple hue so I can see raisin when I look it at that. It makes
0: more, it makes, like how else would you make a raisin? Like,
1: <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's pretty good raisin.
0: I mean really the real question is why do they want to dress up like California because raisins? Because the
1: California raisins were really cool. They were
0: hot for a while. I had little California I raisin had toys. Little, so. I
1: had figurines.
0: Well of course we are. We're the same person. We've already established this. <laughs> <laughs> well they don't know that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, and then, and so Genesis 2, then we go on to Genesis Model 3, which this is actually very similar to the way a lot of systems do it. So usually the second version of a system, in my opinion, is the best version. Because they're not doing it to save money necessarily. A lot of times they're fixing issues. They look at design flaws, they look at certain problems, and they fix it and make it better. The Genesis 2, in my opinion, is arguably better than the Genesis 1. There are versions of the Genesis 1, the first original ones, that have better sound. But all in all, as a system design contour shape while the Genesis 1 is very iconic the Genesis 2 is a much more reasonable system it's thinner it's smaller it's just essentially better in every way
1: but they took out the headphone jack in the they took out the
0: headphone key. jack but I don't know anybody who used the headphone jack we just turned the TV down you know what I mean we just it's not what, you, what story are you listening to in Toe Jam & Earl I mean it's just, just tell like, like like. All, I mean now you are missing a killer soundtrack but you just listen to two aliens like <laughs> so it's not that big of a deal um so and then so the Genesis 3 comes out, and this is the same with the PlayStation 3 as well. And I would argue the same with the Xbox 360 S, which was like their slim, which is like the third version. I know it gets really confusing, stay with me here. I'm with you. So those though are the cheapest models they can produce. Mm-hmm. These are the systems been out for most of its lifetime already. We're trying to make one final design that's even cheaper to make we can pump it out faster and just we can drop the price again. Genesis 3 was exactly that. That thing is tiny. It's not uh, I don't know, it sucks. I I hate the thing. It looks it looks ugly. It's one. not symmetrical. It's really bothered. I guess it is, but it's not. It's really it's just ugly. It has a huge 3 on the front. It's really dumb.
1: I know so, I've never seen that. Though. So there's
0: that. But then what Tony might be getting into is that Sega also was trying to get they were trying to beat Nintendo. So a great book, if you ever get a chance to read it, it's called The Console Wars. You know I was reading it very often. Yeah, Many times I woke did. up early and read it at your house.
1: You wanted to get done with it. <laughs> I, was, like,
0: I couldn't wait to get to the end of it. And Sega was fighting tooth and nail to steal away Nintendo's market share in the 90s with the Genesis against the Super Nintendo. So they were branching out big time. So you have something called the JVC-XI, oh, where, where JVC took the Sega Genesis and the Sega CD and built it into one system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really cool then you had the sega you had the cdx now the cdx was a neat idea because this also was a sega genesis and sega cd built in together but it looked like a walkman and oh, it was portable no Way. guess what they added back headphone jack baby uh, for all you people who are missing <laughs> on that headphone jack but it got was a really lot cool. of letters like, of you complaint. could straight up you could straight up put it on your belt and take it with you
1: oh my gosh
0: so that's how that was designed uh yeah Is that, that that's what that looks like? that's the abomination that's the <laughs> that's the sega genesis sega CD, and 32x it's a frankenstein
1: together. yeah that
0: things we have one of those right now at the stores
1: a, sta- a sega stein a there S- you go Segenstein. that Stein. look at that
0: so uh that's why there's so many variations of the genesis they were they were branding they were trying to get their brand out there mm-hmm. so then lastly they also had something called the sega nomad which was straight up a portable sega genesis
1: Oh, so you okay. just took your
0: Genesis card, put it right in the top.
1: Did it have it like a screen? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's it right there. Oh. Yeah. So, and then that's the CDXL. And I'd like
1: to yeah. I'd like to just say that he's doing all of this from memory. Oh, yeah. And not looking. I'm looking at Wikipedia <laughs> right now, like at all the images and models, and he's doing this completely like, from memory.
0: Like they need to know like how big of a dork I am. <laughs> like they, if just, they don't know already, then we, we're there. <laughs> and, then, and then most recently then, what we've also had is we've had these... Uh, Um, God, I don't even know what you'd call them. I guess we'll call them bootleg systems, but they're technically authorized. So Sega licensed out... Their property and and someone made a plug and play Genesis system where you plug in your TV. It's got like fifty preloaded games and you can play cartridges in it. It's essentially what a Retron is. Yeah, but it's just branded for Sega stuff. It's so, it's kind of like so there's also that
1: Nintendo's doing with the preloaded games. Yeah, it's actually very similar to that, console.
0: but it's not made by Sega and they have no standards whatsoever. So the things are very mm. cheap and not very yeah. well made. But they sell cheap too, and and for some people, that's all they need. They just want a taste of that childhood. They don't need to be like me and have 600 games. No. And counting. (laughs) And going up.
1: And growing. (laughs) All right,
0: so we got two questions left, and I should probably get going since we're at the hour and 10 minute mark already.
1: Sure. Uh, So, just to put a cap on that, a lot of variations because they were trying to establish dominance over Nintendo and change things about their own system to make it better
0: yeah they were trying to branch out yep. Okay. Yeah, they were trying to take the market just
1: want to make sure i was so make sure branch. that i
0: actually answered the question yes. instead of just babbling incoherently cool i appreciate that <laughs> that's what you're here for <laughs> keep me under control <laughs> all right
1: nathan asks is shadow run better on the sega genesis or on the super nintendo
0: this is a tr- this 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 might be a trap question Oh. because it's a trap. um i have both versions um, behind me here, <laughs> I have nerd. I have both versions. They're both <laughs> completely different games, and they're both awesome in their own way. Hey! So if you ask me which one's better, I have to say the Sega Genesis version because that's when I grew up playing. Ah! Later, I discovered the Super Nintendo one, and I love the Super Nintendo one as well. The Super Nintendo one plays almost like a point and click adventure game. Okay. So you almost have like a you have a mouse pointer where you can click on things to interact with them, and then you move around. There's some combat. The Genesis one is a straight top down. Action RPG. You do all the mm-hmm. fighting yourself, but there's still some things calculated, like you have it, like when you're locked on someone, you shoot them. There's still a chance you have to miss, which is really dumb.
1: Oh, and they no. have things
0: like armor class, mm-hmm. and you you have armor, you have damage, you know, stuff like that. So there, there are things factored in that make an RPG. The the Super Nintendo one had a better narrative, so there was a story in the Super Nintendo one that took you through a really cool okay. story. The Genesis one had that, but the Genesis one almost focused more on an open world kind of experience. So the Genesis one you could kind of go and do all these random jobs until you leveled up enough. And I remember playing that game for like a hundred hours and then walking into a bar one day to do a job. And I go into that bar and there's like the main character I was supposed to meet there as part of the quest line. And then it continued the story on. I was like, Oh, Oh. I just like, wasn't even trying. Okay, cool. Hey, let's (laughs) hang out. I'm I'm ready to beat the game now, I guess. And then I went through the story, which was also good. Mm -hmm. But the, uh, the uh, the gameplay in the Genesis one, I just felt like it was more free, and you actually get to. For people that don't know what Shadowrun is, it's a it's a cyberpunk. Uh, it was based off a tabletop RPG, which was essentially a ripoff of actual the actual t- uh, tabletop called Cyberpunk, um, oh. but Shadowrun incorporated magic and cyberpunk. So they they explained in the story whatever. It's actually my favorite tabletop role playing. I prefer that over D anD D. Just I like the universe better. <gasps> Yeah, no, but I've always been more of a sci-fi geek than a um, fantasy geek. But so that talking Genesis. of Genesis, yeah, so so the Genesis version of the game is just more almost open world, and it lets you kind of do whatever you wanted to. You could run around and. The, you're, it's called Shadow Run because you're a shadow runner, and so shadow runners are people that do like black ops street runs and, and okay. uh, like underground missions for people.
1: I never played
0: it. Uh, it's great. It's really really fun, uh, and the soundtrack's killer. Well, one of the things they talk about is you can jack into the Matrix, and the Matrix. I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. So you jack well, into the Matrix. This wasn't
1: 1994
0: yeah. or 1993. So it was before. But it's that. almost a direct rip off of. Uh, Oh my goodness! The book I'm—I just read it. I can't think of the name of it, but it's another great like '80s, you know, sci-fi. It's—it's it's what in—it's what—it's it's essentially what led to Blade yeah. Runner. It's not—it's not um—it's not, um, it's oh, not
1: Androids Dream of Electric it's Sheep. It's
0: not that one, no! but it is in that vein. Okay. So they talk about the same thing that there's like this online thing you jack into. It's like, and they even call it the Matrix. It's crazy how they got away with that. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> In the Genesis version, you actually it's, it's you infiltrating systems um, like internet systems and oh, you're basically okay. hacking to copy files and to make money doing that. So there's actually a gameplay mechanic for that, and it's really fun. And the Super Nintendo version didn't really have anything like that. so So Genesis versions better, but that's because I grew up with it. Both great games by both. If you like the university I yeah, buy both, they're great.
1: Sounds like completely different gameplay. All right, we've got time for one more. Christopher asks, oh no, yeah, let's do that one. Okay. Do you think the su cool. oh, God.
0: Suikoden? Yep. Oh,
1: thank you. Some I've never seen it in, it in Some people print. call it
0: uh Suikoden, and some people call it suikadin. Uh Yeah, I don't know how su- it's suikoden. actually- pro- I pronounce it Suikoden.
1: All right. Do you think the Suikoden series will ever come back, and why do you think now one has tried- <laughs>
0: <laughs> why do you think no one has tried Oh
1: yeah, Greg typo. Was...
0: Uh, well, I don't know if if that's how I if I copied the question, but that's probably my fault.
1: All right, let me ask I'll take, it again. I'll take,
0: I'll take blame on that Christopher. I won't, I won't throw you under the bus, <laughs> dude. That's try. probably my bad.
1: So, do you think the Suikoden series will ever come back and why do you think no one has tried having over 100 playable characters?
0: So, the Suikoden series has um, this really neat mechanic where they have the Stars of Destiny. You have over 100 playable characters wow. and the fun is actually recruiting the characters so mm-hmm. the the challenge is trying to one find them all and two have the right things in place to recruit them you might have to have certain people in your party to recruit another person so then you have to get those people but to get those people you have to do something else and so you have
1: you- to catch them all but the people essentially yeah it's- but they're and they're playable characters i got a new name for it poke
0: sims yeah po- poke Sim. okay well what is cool about this game is it's an actual fantasy RPG, and you have a base, and as you recruit more people, your base grows and grows. So it's really cool. Uh, to answer the question, I don't think it will ever come back, because it's made by, guess who? Uh, Konami? Konami. Oh, it's I was right. You got it right! <laughs> it's made by Konami. So there's zero chance, in my opinion, of that ever coming back, unless we see... Well, we'll probably see a Pachinko machine made out of it because that's what they do with everything else. (laughs) So we'll see a Sukaden Pachinko machine. We might see some, you know, like you might see a like the Tsukiden 5 come to PlayStation 4, PS2 Digitals and stuff like that. But I don't think we'll ever see a new one. And I don't know... This is a really long answer to a really easy question, but no one's tried it, I think, because Japan doesn't make games like that anymore. Like, Japanese RPGs are not the great ones they used to be. And it makes me really sad. Like, the, the Japanese RPGs that I grew up with on the Super Nintendo on the PS1, which are the two, arguably one and two, the greatest consoles for Japanese RPGs, they don't make RPGs like that anymore. Like, the modern day Japanese RPG is very different.
1: I mean, I I would like to know what, like what RPGs you're referring to because I think there are still really good Japanese RPGs, but without really have without really have been like i've never played those yeah, movies, i mean i don't think
0: I, I talk about games like on the ps1 tales of destiny 1 and 2 uh i talk about Suikoden 1 and 2 on the super Nintendo, i talk about chrono trigger secret of mana you know those those kind of games um
1: tales of symphonia of
0: gaia tales of Sim- see tales of symphonia is a good game but even that's in the gamecube so that we're looking at 15 years ago that you know f- probably came out Thirteen years ago, probably came out like go three, but Persona. Okay, and I'm not saying Persona is a bad game, and I'm not saying that the Japanese RPGs are bad, but they're very different. And the PS... how are they different? Well, the PS now? the PS2 was still a good era, so I'm not even referencing the PS2 era either. Okay. Like the PS2 still had good games, but like when you go to PS3, there are obviously a few. I'm not saying that they don't do it anymore, but like the ones they do make, they're not the same. Uh, on PS3, they have a lot of these. Atelier games are like Atelier Rorona and Atelier Totoro and Atelier like this is they're just like loading the the system with these just kind of weird uh, anime inspired RPGs that aren't like I don't like they're half dating sim half RPG instead of which I know Persona has like the the, the relationship there's the relationship but in. Persona does it in a really good way and Persona was one of the first ones to do it so I don't know if the other games are copying it but so yeah why why another company's never tried it's probably because I just don't think companies make games like that anymore. Just kind—it's of, kind of a dying breed of game. Uh, but they could bring back Suikoden and make it really awesome. But they won't. I mean, look at Final Fantasy. Look at Final Fantasy Fifteen. I mean, that game looks neat. But it doesn't look like any other Final Fantasy game, like that didn't count like Crisis Core or anything on the PSP or something that was an offshoot. You
1: and know? that's kind of we I don't know if we really talked a lot about the new Zelda game that's the Breath of the Wild that's bit. coming out. But the thing that I struggle with is is very similar to what you're saying about the style of, of game. It's when I look at the previews for that, it doesn't look like any Zelda game I've right. ever seen.
0: Yeah, that's and that's And I don't fair. know
1: how I'm very conflicted. I'll still play it, but I just don't know how I'll feel about it being a Zelda game in the Zelda universe. Right,
0: and, and you have to, and and you have to be able to play it for what it is, not play it for what your expectations of it are. And
1: that's very true. But it's I hard have to, to do, though. I have hard to, to keep an open mind because I want to play a really good Zelda game. You know,
0: again. you know what the best turn-based RPG I've played in in a long time is. What's that? I know you know it because you played it too. South Park.
1: <laughs> South Park's
0: Park stick of truth is the best turn based RPG I've played in the last ten years, I think. <laughs> I think it was awesome. I can't wait for, <laughs> for Fractured to come out. But yeah, so yeah, that's 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 what I think about Sukutan anyway. Alright, well. so
1: we have one more question, but we're out of time.
0: Yeah, well, and we actually have like ten more questions banked, so we'll try. Oh. We'll make sure we get Andy in next time. He had a great question. It was, "What are some of your favorite video games?" I soundtrack? totally.
1: I don't know how I skipped over it because I think this one was highlighted, and mm. then I just went to the end because I I thought you said one more, and so I went to the last well, one. Well, now Andy's did.
0: gonna know forever that you don't like him. He knows you skipped him on purpose. <laughs> he, he, he's gonna be mad. <laughs> He's gonna be mad, but anyway, Andy, we'll get to you next week though. That's a because that's a great question, and uh,
1: I got my own I actually, for that.
0: I want to kind of think about that a little bit because
1: there's some great ones. There's
0: some great ones. Like there's there's some music I rock when I play uh, when I play PC games like Smite and stuff. I'll put a, I'll put certain soundtracks on. So yeah, we'll share that with you guys next week. And once again, thank you so much for listening. And uh, you can go to the Game Trade page, or we have a Facebook page for Game Talk Radio. You can tweet me at Game Talk Radio. And you can email us at GameTalkRadioWI.com At Gmail.com Why do we always do that? I don't know. GameTalkRadioWI At Gmail.com It's not that hard. Okay, got Tell it. Tell
1: us what some of your Favorite video game soundtracks are.
0: Yeah, and we'd love, we'd love to hear that And, and to go along with the question. And yeah. yeah. That, and that's it. We appreciate you guys listening as always. I'm Greg. I'm Jen. And this is Game Talk Radio. And I won't, this time I'm not going to forget The exit music.